You are tuned into a Heads and Tails NFL Injury Report. For each week, we discuss the latest injuries and sports health buzz surrounding the league in an attempt to make football safer to play at all levels. Dr. Wazim Bush provides expert medical insight, while my buddy Josh Boyd keeps us up to date on all current events and provides play-by-play analysis. And my name is Kevin Song, and I provide the perspective of a former player with a passion for changing a football culture that nearly took my life. If this is your first time to the show, I recommend checking out some of the athlete and expert interviews that we have previously published on this podcast. For detailed show notes and videos from this episode, go to headsandtails.org backslash injury reports. And we're back with an all new episode of the Heads and Tails Injury Report. We're currently uh, in the week leading up to the Super Bowl for the 2018 season, although we're in 2019 technically. Um, not too many injuries to really talk about, but we're going to go through uh, some of the, I guess, injuries that didn't happen or talk about how there aren't any injuries. It's more like it. There we go. Uh, yep. And then we're going to go into the two NFL way to play player of the weeks that we haven't covered yet from the divisional round and the championship games. Uh, then we got our thoughts on the Pro Bowl, um, NFL obesity post-career. Um, we had an Alex Smith sighting. Uh, after his injury, this is an interesting one. Uh, we're going to talk about Ed Hockley's thoughts on player safety. So, if, for those of you listening, if you don't know who Ed Hockley is, he's like known for being the jacked uh, referee. And it's not too often that you hear about referees getting interviewed. I like never. You don't find articles about their comments, like when they blow calls and stuff like that. Like, it doesn't seem like it's something that happens. So it's a cool uh, yeah. perspective. I don't think they're allowed to talk. Like, while they're actually officiating. Like, you hear a lot. Hockley's been out and about, and Gene Steratore, who, like, these guys don't officiate anymore. They're, re- they're retired. So now they're, like, whether they're, like, rules analysis on right. the networks or something. But I, I wonder if they, the refs have something in their contract where they're lot, not allowed to do any media um, while they're, like, actively officiating. That would make sense. Uh, then we're going to go up into some stats. Uh, we got NFL viewership up in 2018. Um, some injury numbers and trends. And then we're going to finish with our Super Bowl picks. Um, all right, so to start things off, we'll talk about the AFC-NFC championship games. And as Josh mentioned in our pod- in our last podcast, Gronk is a blocking beast, and he is, like, really making an, not making a name for himself, but proving his worth in other ways on out on the field by uh, his great blocking ability. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is – Kind of like we talked about, I guess, two weeks ago leading up to the game. It's it's not like he just became a good blocker. Um, it's not something he just happened overnight and everyone – you should be surprised that he is. Um, it's really more so the fact that when he was um, going through the phase where he was unguardable catching the ball, I mean, it just kind of got overlooked and he was running more routes. And now when he's running less routes, you see how effective and efficient and how well they use him um, – in the run game, and they've been running the ball in the playoffs more than they have been uh, in recent years, even in this year. So they've put a bigger – just the game plan, the two games that they've had was control the clock, run the ball, um, kind of pound it. Um, but even even aside from the blocking, uh, you kind of saw on a couple of key third downs at the end of regulation and overtime, they needed a conversion. Brady looked to Gronk, and he and he made plays on one on one in one on one coverage. So, um, just watching how he's played this playoffs, I know he's been asked a lot about the retirement question, and I, it's kind of seemed like the public perception or the, in the 
perception of the media is leaning towards him retiring this year, I would be really surprised. Um, win, lose, doesn't matter the outcome of the game this week. I, I would be really surprised if he doesn't come back and play again next year. Um, just based on, I mean, he was pretty much healthy all the all year this year. I mean, he he we missed a couple games early in the season. We had we he was having the back issues, but um, I, I would kind of be surprised if he does retire um, after the season, just based on how the last eight weeks have gone for him. I don't know. I mean, I think he's been putting it all out on the line right now, just kind of throwing everything he's got at you know the playoffs and this potential Super Bowl uh, championship um, pending here. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, we've seen Gronk be out for a few weeks and, you know, the the injury report was spasm. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. I, I think he's breaking down a little bit more. And uh, uh, like you said, he's not the the usual effective Gronk as he used to be. I mean, he could still go and get a ball anytime you really want him to, right? But he doesn't have that explosion anymore. But he's really doing everything he can to be a team player and to to get another championship, you know, six and three. That's where they want to be. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's changed kind of the mindset or at least more focus is being paid or more attention is being paid to his blocking ability. And to me, it's like just redirecting his value, mm-hmm. you know, it's just showing that he can still play mm-hmm. just yeah. in a different, you know, facet of the yeah. game. And kind of like we talked about last week, he's they're They're using him more in that. I mean, like I said, when he was three, four years ago, they were, they were throwing, they were throwing more than they have this playoffs, but they were, um, he was the main target and he was going out a lot more routes. I mean, he's been, they're using him more to block now and they're running more. So, um, like I said, there's kind of, it's those plays are a lot less um, dangerous for him than his 10 catches a game over the middle or safeties are cutting his legs out from under him. Right. But, sure. Um, and in both of these championship games, there were overtimes. So, and obviously, Every time there's an overtime, it seems like there's always, you know, people upset about the overtime rules, normally the team that loses. Um, so what are your guys' thoughts on the overtime rule in the NFL, um, which is basically there's a coin toss. Whoever receives the ball first, if, as long as they don't kick a field goal, like if they, if they score a touchdown first, then they win outright. Yeah. If they kick a field goal, then the other team gets a chance to – match their field goal or score a touchdown and win, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what is it, like a, it's a regular, regular quarter, 15 minutes? Yeah, yeah, so in the regular season, it's 15 minutes, and if nobody scores, it's a tie, or if it's whatever. If it's still a tie at the end of 15 minutes based on if you, two teams kick a field goal and then nobody scores again, whatever, uh, it's a tie. In the playoffs, you just keep, you keep playing um, at that point. Um, so there's no – doesn't stop, obviously. You need to determine a winner. Um, like you said, when it, whenever a big game of this magnitude goes to overtime, um, the question becomes, is the way the NFL does overtime, is it the best way? Because um, this new, the way they've done overtime has been has changed. I guess it was three or four years ago they changed it, where it used to just be sudden death. First team to score wins, um, kind of like gold goal in soccer. Um, and then people were mad that the other team didn't get a chance to get the ball, but the other team had a chance to go on defense and get the ball back. So. Um, I, I kind of think that I would either go back to sudden death, first team to score wins. If the team who gets the ball first goes down and kicks a field goal and wins a game, great. You had a chance to stop them, stop them. Or 
um, go the other direction and just play 15 minutes. You know, what does basketball do? I mean, they play five minutes or NBA plays six minutes, um, basically half of what you do. Um, in the NFL, uh, maybe you can play a, can you play a 10-minute overtime period? And just you're gonna you're gonna play it out and give team timeouts. Um, I think that might be the best way to do it. Um, but they're kind of stuck in the in the middle ground right now of um, not wanting to play a full quarter, but not wanting it to be sudden death either. And I just f- feel like they're trying to have it both ways, where you got to either go to one extreme or the other. Have the first team to score a win no matter what, or you want to play it out and you want to be more like a regular game, then put 12 minutes on the clock and you'll play a full quarter. Give everyone three timeouts so you can stop the clock at the end with a two-minute warning, and it'll be be the same same type of thing as basically just replaying the fourth quarter. But whichever way you want to go with that, I think you kind of got to get away from this middle ground where they've gotten into now. Yeah, uh, you know, I, it, it's kind of strange because it feels like, hey, you're leaving things up to chance, right? You're not leaving things up to the capabilities of the players on the on the field. You're you're putting it up there for heads or tails. And oftentimes, the team that's got the ball is, you know, a lot of the times are, are, are scoring and they're the ones that are winning. And, yeah, your defense, you got to take into account, you know, whether or not they, the momentum is on, on, on their side, how deflated they are by, say, a call like in the Rams, in, in the Saints game, right? You know, uh, you don't get a call like that um, uh, uh, called for your offense then the entire morale of the team goes down, right? And that affects the way you play, right? And so I feel like sometimes, you know, putting up a, a coin toss just kind of takes that away too, the, the opportunity to get back on offense and, and show them what you got. I, I don't know if there's a good way to, to approach um, uh, overtime. What if you, you said, you know what, everybody will get, you know, y- you can score and the other team can, can get the ball back. But if it's greater than a 50-yard touchdown, then that team outright wins, and that's it. You know, make something ridiculous like that or make a field goal contest. You know what I mean? It's just if you do it with a field goal contest, it feels like you don't give the other players and the stars on the team the opportunity to to deliver that performance. And, you know, everybody says it's a gimmick, but I, I think that, you know, college does it in a in a fair way. I think that it's a pretty decent way to do it. I always look at it in a player safety perspective. And in the current format, to me, I think it's probably pro player safety just because it increases the likelihood that you're not going to play football as much in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? It it could, but it's more than it used to be. The, the the new overtime well, right? New yeah, overtime. It used to be like yes. sudden death, yeah. field sudden, goal, or anything. Sudden death. So I mean, it's it's been you play more minutes. There's more football being played under this this way, and that's why I think it's more likely for in the future for it to be um, a certain amount of time than it is to go back to sudden death because like a lot of these games are played played out at least five or ten minutes of game time um, already. So what's what's the what's the difference in going putting ten minutes on the clock or putting twelve minutes on the clock and playing it out? Because um, with the with this system, I mean that's how long most of these overtimes are going, if not to under two minutes left in the overtime. So a lot of these overtimes are are being played out for a significant portion of the time anyway. So. Right. Um, I, I like the kicking. The kicking idea, <laughs> just kickers, no line. It's like trick shots, or they play like horse. 
It'll be like the the replacements. Right, but in terms of player safety, no one's getting hurt doing that. (laughs) Except (laughs) only the kicker. (laughs) The the kicker who loses the game will probably get hurt in the locker room after. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. What if he pulls his hamstring? Loses his job. Possibly, but. Then uh, we'll have more commercials with uh, Pepsi icing the kicker. I don't know if I've seen those. You don't watch enough TV? Oh, man. Okay. I'll look for it on the the Super Bowl. Another thing I remember uh, noticing from the championship games uh, were that the refs were really just, like, letting the boys play, you know? They weren't really calling too much of anything in terms of penalties, especially when it came to defenseless receivers. And I know there was one hit in particular on the Saints uh, tight end, Josh Hill, which we used to have a video for, but it was taken off of the Twitters. Um, but I don't. He didn't end up getting a concussion. I don't think he no, like he got just, taken in for. He was woozy. An evaluation, and then he got back in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. There's also a controversial call. Yeah. There. That, this is a big one. A controversial call of missing. Uh. The was. It was a pass interference call that wasn't called. Should have been pass interference. But I also noticed that it was also kind of defenseless receiver that wasn't called. Yeah. Right. It was helmet to helmet. And I mean, yeah. helmet rule should have been called in there as well, too. I'm sure everybody's seen it yeah. at this point. It was a, was a huge deal. I mean, it's not much. I mean, was it pass interference? Yes. Did they call it? No. <laughs> what can you do about it now? <laughs> Nothing. So. Was it blatant? Yes. Yeah. I absolutely. Mean, now people are saying, like, can you – should you be able to – Replay. Replay yeah. penalties and stuff like that, but yeah. – I just I, – I don't – I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, the only – the only – There is something written in the rule book that if something egregious happens yeah. to cause uh, a, a game to end um, wrong, per se, uh, that the – that the commissioner can go back and have that game replayed. Like the whole entire game? No, just from the point of the point of the whatever. Call. Uh, yeah. Landmark event that made it. I mean, you can make a big, bigger deal as, out of this as you want. I mean, they, uh, like the Saints, to me, they messed up the situation from the, from the beginning. The Rams had two timeouts under the two-minute warning, and the Saints threw the ball on first down. You run the ball three times, you're kicking a field goal with a minute left. Instead, you throw the ball twice, twice incomplete, um, and you kick your field goal with a minute and 50 seconds left, regardless of if it was the ref's fault or if it was their fault, whatever. Um, so, I mean, to me, they kind of botched – to an extent, uh, they made kind of dug their own grave, um, leaving it up to the hands of the ref on a third and ten. Um, but I mean, going back to the refs, I think you kind of see it in every sport that when you get to the biggest games and the highest moments, um, the referees don't want to be uh, the story. They don't want to be the headline, and sometimes that causes them to be the headline for calls they don't make. Um, but they don't want to. It seems like in basketball or in in in, in any sport, they don't want to. They don't want to have a. The Super Bowl doesn't want to have a, a a 25 penalty game. Yeah, that's not what the NFL wants. Um, so if 
they, in terms of contact penalties, I mean, if someone goes off sides or you have 12 men on the field, those are penalties that are going to get called because you have to call those ones. But in terms of offensive holdings and pass interference and those kind of calls, um, the refs are a lot more willing to let them go when, when it's the playoffs and they're the only game on TV and um, they feel like they might be highly scrutinized for having a flag-happy game. So, I mean, but it's the same thing in every, every sport. I feel like officials just let, let these guys play in big games and they want the players to decide the game on the field so this will be two years in a row that the saints are noted for the wrong reason the first year marshawn Lattimore let stefan diggs go and uh scores the miracle in minneapolis yeah we talked right? about that last year in like Minnesota. was he trying to avoid a defensive <laughs> receiver hit yeah yeah and now uh they'll be known for this this call for a negative two right and everything will be scrutinized about their play calling and you know, again, the Saints are, are are pretty much the goat, right? It's a good reference. I mean, the only solution I think I don't think you can make pass interference calls uh, challengeable or reviewable. It's just it's too much because then you're going to review holdings and you're going to start reviewing everything. And I don't think that's the direction they want to go. Um, the only realistic direction I think they can go is to add a kind of like they've added the independent. Uh, Neurologist. Yeah, the the what the name of it where they had the guy up the in the booth, booth. ATC. Yeah, the the spotter. I mean, there's no reason why the NFL can't have an eighth official in the booth watching the game in real time on a, on a television screen from a television feed because um, you can see it. I mean, if a guy goes off sides and doesn't get called, I mean, he can they can be in constant communication with the head refs and be like, that guy was off sides. We, 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 we missed that before the next play even happens. Uh, pass interference. They, they, you, know, you guys missed that. Or they call the pass interference, and the guy who's watching on, on upstairs on, on the monitor can see, it's like, eh. eh, pretty close. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a – because you, you just you you have the ability to have angles that um, the guys on the field don't have. Um, there was a play in the AFC Championship game where Tom Brady got a roughing the passer called on him, um, where the defensive lineman on the Chiefs just came up and and chopped right in front of his face and kind of like grazed his face mask. But from where the head ref is standing behind Brady. It's a pretty vicious looking action that he's chopping right down in front of his face, and it looks like he makes helmet contact and he get a roughing the passer call. I mean, and it's just it's not it's not roughing the passer. He didn't make contact with him at all. But from where the angle is and where he's standing, it looks like it is. So if you can if you have the ability to add a guy who has all the information and can instantly say, oh, all right, that's that that, that call is not right. We, let, let, let's change this and they're in constant contact I mean it won't take any extra time they don't need to challenge anything and, and there's just a they have someone that they can talk to um, that's that's the only solution I see meanwhile the same thing happens to Pat Mahomes and they get the call right you know what I mean same same exact type of thing happened with, with Mahomes earlier in the game and um, it's just a just an interesting thing to, to see but I, I, I think I actually really like that idea of a spotter and especially in bigger games in the playoffs and when things matter most you know I, I i really like that idea actually yeah i agree and it shouldn't be too hard to do you wouldn't think hey nfl josh boyd has a solution <laughs> yeah uh okay now we got i have rams injuries down here but really the only injury to talk about is todd Gurley. but there's really no injury there anymore or at least listed right 
Yeah, yeah, that's really it. I mean, he didn't play much in the in the NFC Championship game, and there was the whole debate about was he still hurt or was he playing poorly. And uh, uh, I mean, if he doesn't play a lot in the Super Bowl, for as much as they've said he's healthy now, there's something up. Um, if he if he's only playing twenty twenty five percent of the snaps in the Super Bowl with two weeks break, um, it just it doesn't for as bad as he could be playing, it doesn't give them the best chance to win. Um, if he's a hundred percent. He's he'll be he'll be playing a lot, and if he's not playing a lot, I think something will come out that he's not as healthy as they say he has been. You know, some of the calls though. I mean, if, if you look at some of the plays, it's whether or not it, it almost felt like Gurley wasn't in the game. You know what I mean? He missed a really easy uh, pitch and catch uh, that he could have turned up and scored. He just didn't look like himself, right? And and there there were some rumors that hey he had some swelling in the knee and that he'd been dealing with an MCL injury and so on. But and some of his teammates saying that he's you know not letting on to what really is happening. And Gurley himself said that you know what I feel like C.J. Anderson was doing a much better job. I just sucked. And you know what I let him go and and uh, continue to take us to where we needed to be. But I think that's BS, right? I mean, you know, this is the biggest game of your career, essentially. You know, you're not going to want to be in there. You're Todd Gurley. You know, you were the pretty much pre-MVP prior to, to getting injured and, and, and so on. You know, it, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it definitely seems like something else is going on there. Um, all right, Waz, you want to take us through the uh, NFL way to play a player of the week for the divisional round games? Here we go. Once again, it is time for the NFL Way to Play Player of the Week for the Divisional Round Games. This, this, this Player of the Week goes to Eagles defensive end Michael Bennett, who earns the NFL Way to Play award from the Divisional Round for maintaining good technique on this powerful tackle, which Josh Boyd will now take us through. Yeah, we got uh, we got two this week. So we got the divisional and the championship game. We I think we went fifty fifty uh, percent on these in in terms in of, terms of were they good or not. In terms <laughs> yeah. of one, what ones we like safety undertones. Yeah, and this first one was the the not the not hit the mark fifty percent. Um, so like you said, Michael Bennett, defensive uh, tackle, defensive end for the for the Eagles. Um, I mean, it's like we've kind of said a couple times here. It's a nice play. It really doesn't have anything to do with what we wanted it to be at the beginning of the year. So he just kind of uh, – he's lined up between the center and the guard on a running play, and he splits. Blows up. Yeah, he just yeah. – he, 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 he splits his block and uh, makes a tackle. And it's like uh, – it wasn't even like a great form tackle. Like splitting the block was nice, but he kind of like grabbed the running back around the shoulder pads and slung him slung him down. Um, it's and not then really, he did a dance. Yeah, so – That's probably why he got it. Yeah. You so, think it's because he doesn't have any shoulder pads? He does have shoulder pads. It just <laughs> looks like he doesn't. Um, well, he, I just did an interview. Um, my le- the latest interview on the normal Heads and Tails podcast is with – uh, shoulder pad manufacturer out of New Jersey and one thing he mentioned that really was like eye-opening to me is that there's standards and regulations for helmets cleats and there's that that, that these manufacturers have to meet but with shoulder pads there's zero rules like you can literally go in your basement and make a pair of shoulder pads and give it to some guy and if he wants to wear it he can like there's nothing against that yeah that's uh, silly interesting point 
And the NFL play way to play player of the week for the championship round games goes to the LA Rams linebacker Corey Littleton, who receives the NFL way to play award from Championship Sunday for leading with his shoulder on this tackle, now seen and played by Joshua Boyd. I would have really enjoyed the NFL giving their way to play to the guy on the Rams who had the pass interference call. I think that would have been <laughs> just really troll the Saints even more a little bit. Um, it's messed up. But it's messed up. obviously they didn't do this. This, this, was, this was a good one. This is one of the ones that I think we kind of envisioned seeing throughout the entire year. Um, this is a linebacker on the Rams. He's playing zone coverage. The uh, Saints slot receiver is running a little drag route right across the middle. Waz is watching it right now. The slot receiver for the for the Saints is running a dra- drag route right across the middle. The linebacker Corey Littleton sees him, lines him up. Guy catches the ball and he hits him clean in his shoulder, knocks him down. Doesn't drive through him. Doesn't make contact with his head. Um, he he has every opportunity to blow up as we like to say, or make an illegal tackle that they've now deemed um, if he wanted to. Um, And he made a safe, clean, legal hit that was still powerful, um, that still had a big impact, um, and knocked the guy down. So I was just watching it in real time for accuracy's sake. (laughs) I'm not judging you. I'm just saying. But it was – so this is – Haters. But to me, I think if the end of if this NFL way to play, if they wanted to find 17 of these plays or 20, 20 of these plays now, I think they could have. But yeah, I don't know. I throughout, throughout throughout the whole year. But this was, I think, this was what we were looking for. I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll get into this a little more a little later when we go over some of the stats. But I really do see a change in the players' behavior, and I think it's translated into a, a decrease in those defenseless receiver penalties and other like unnecessary roughness penalties, I feel like you don't really see it at all anymore, to be honest. And I do think that there'll be a trickle-down effect with college and high school and youth level when they see guys not going for the kill shots anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. There, there's definitely a, a, a difference when you see people tackling quarterbacks, though. You no longer see that drive through into the ground. You definitely see them kind of lift their hands up and try to get you know, a little bit off the the uh, quarterbacks as well. Right. The thing that annoys or frustrates me, remember last season, Josh, when we would talk, we had a lot of these plays to talk about of the defenseless receiver, illegal hits, lots of guys getting fined. And the argument was always, well, the game is so fast and they they can't, they don't have time to react. To me this year, I'm calling bullshit because to me this year is an example that you can react and you can make a difference and not always make that you know yeah kill shot hit and and and, and sometimes it, sometimes you're still going to make helmet contact and you're still going to incidental get, right yeah and you're still going to get flagged for it even if you're trying to do it the right way but um as a whole uh, yeah, it, it appears I, yeah, that it's I, it's down i agree with you all right so we got it seems like we got one injury from the pro, the pro bowl game um josh the steelers fan you want to take us to that one if you were I definitely was not watching the Pro Bowl game, but no, <laughs> I don't ju- think anyone was. Yeah. It was well, supposedly it got pretty good ratings, but because yeah, anything the NFL puts out there, we'll we'll, we'll get TV ratings. Because there's I like literally nothing else on. Yeah, yeah. I think the skills competition is a little bit more fun, know, just entertaining, just to watch some of that. See, stuff. that goes back to making the overtimes the kickers, the kickoff, <laughs> entertaining. Oh, so okay, so let's talk about the Pro Bowl what a little about bit. Team dodgeball. It, that's what they did in the skills competition. I mean, it's it's. 
I don't know. So with with the Pro Bowl, Juju hurt his knee a little bit and didn't didn't go back in the game, but I think he'll be fine. Um, Juju got a boo poo. Yeah. <laughs> Like watching watching that game, I mean, I didn't watch it, but watching the highlights of the game, I mean, they got defensive guys playing offense, offensive guys, skill guys playing defense. Like they don't, just, they don't care, they don't tackle. No, everyone goes at a. Cool, it's like thud. It's like cool, less than thud it's, tempo. It's, yeah, it's not even. It's not even a walk through like thud up. It's not. It's less than that. It's like it's or It's almost two hand touch. No, and still it ended you, like twenty six to like seven. Because that's I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just so it's just awful. Now, do you think that's like player initiated, or do you think the coach is like, all right, no, no we're we're thud tempo, like no. no one brings anyone to the ground, like that kind of thing? I think it's a hundred percent player, and I think the coaches are just let the guys do whatever they want. The, yeah. co- the coaches are just there to, I don't know, not maybe call plays, and maybe that's it. I just, but, but the problem with the NFL and the Pro Bowl is, and it got to this point a couple of years ago, maybe six, seven years ago, maybe a little bit longer, where there was a game like this game where nobody wanted to tackle, and and it just it looked so bad that they kind of that they tried to increase the stakes. They increased the stakes, so they gave the winning team more money, like a lot more money. Um, and for the next couple of years, it was a little bit better. It yeah. was, but like in in every i feel like in every all-star game it's to an extent um not full speed the nba all-star game isn't full speed um they score 150 160 170 points because that nobody plays defense and that they throw alley-oops and stuff um i mean baseball is probably the truest all-star game because the pitchers go out and it's not like the pitchers throwing BP. They throw as hard as they can. Um, but that's the only one. I mean, the, the NHL for a while had had the same issue. Um, five on five, nobody wanted to hit each other. Nobody wanted to check. And it's just, it looks like a bad product. So the NHL went, Let's all right. Let's let's make we're gonna play three minute periods and we're gonna go three on three three on three like we do in overtime. So it's just fun, fast paced, and there's still gonna be a lot of goals, but it doesn't look as bad as five on five and nobody trying. Um, but with the NFL, there really isn't an alternative. Like, yeah. w- like what can the NFL do? Go to two hand touch? Go to seven on seven? Like flag? A flag? I think that's going to be even even weirder. Well, then the issue is then think about things like the injury that happened to Tyler Croft, right? He, he dislocated. Guy. Yeah, he he dislocated his ankle. He broke he broke his uh, dislocation fracture. You know, in a in a Pro Bowl game. You know what I mean? That nothing, it really counts for nothing. Uh, Eifert, Eifert, for anything. Eifert, Eifert, Tyler, Yeah, I was Eifert, like, Croft, he was in the Pro Bowl? Yeah. I'm sorry about that, wrong, Tyler Eifert. Wrong Tyler. Damn. Yeah. But yeah. Same team. I just, right? I just. Bengals? I, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I, I don't see, I'm, I'm not sure what the answer is for, for the Pro Bowl. And, and I don't really see it becoming anything. I think they're trying to do something for the fans to keep them entertained. And they're constantly losing viewership. So, you know, I, I I really don't know. I think because the game is how it is, I, I will admit I watched it for probably like maybe a quarter's worth of the game because there's literally nothing else on TV. Yeah. And I, when I was thinking about it, I'm like, this game is obviously a joke. Like, no one's watching it like because they like the football that's on the field. They like it because they like the personalities, and it's almost a fun novelty. The logos. They like the the logos on the helmets and the shield that's the NFL. Yeah, so I'm thinking there's a big push these days for flag football under 14. Yeah. 
what if I'm, I'm I highly doubt the NFL would ever embrace this. But think about the message that that would send if you had a flag football game as the Pro Bowl. All your favorite stars, you could see their faces. They're not wearing helmets. It's a similar type feel to the skills competition that people enjoy watching. And you just have a 30-minute flag football game that yeah. you, you put on TV. Yeah. On, a, on a shortened field, yeah. smaller sidelines. Think, think about what that would do to, I think, football as a sport. And I, I don't know about – I hear mixed reviews about, like, um, participation rates in football. I feel like in some areas of the country it's decreased. In other areas it seems to be unchanged. I don't know the exact statistics to like speak intelligently on it. But in terms of like, you know, a mom out there who wants their kid to play flag and he's getting pressure from all his buddies to play uh, tackle or whatever, it, it makes it a cool thing, you know, when they can still see their – stars and guys they look up to playing the same thing that they do no i i like that idea i do and and i thought that they had done like maybe in like a skills competition or something for charity they've done like the flag football games before probably this was probably maybe 15 years ago maybe more it might have been close to 20 years ago when the pro bowl was in hawaii every year they did like a, a celebrity and player yeah. uh flag football on the beach and one guy completely ripped his knee up yeah. and they stopped doing it yeah um but it was on the beach it was on the beach yeah and it was it was a guy who made the pro bowl mm -hmm. and i think he was like a rookie or second year guy i forget what his name is you can probably look it up and find it i want to say he was on the packers i want to say he was a packer guy i might be making it up but he he he, he blew out his knee and he was like the dot and he was never he was never the same um so they've done similar things in the past to me i think you make it like what you make it a weekend you have in the afternoon, you have – maybe you want to do skill competition, great. You want to have a flag football game, great. And you have – at the end, you put it in the stadium. You put the two teams who lost the conference championship games. You give them a crap ton of money for the winning team. And you have a third third place game. So it's, so, so you get like a – you get a little bit of fun. You get a little bit of flag. And then you get a real game. Um like would teams who lost a championship game want to play another game for third place if you give them enough I mean, money think about probably. where you're at in the season though yeah. these guys are banked up like they've been getting their ass kicked for the last yeah. 20 weeks well, you give them a hundred thousand dollars to the winning team each yeah but you know what we play another game you think drew Brees is really going to care about a hundred hundred a hundred thousand dollars he's not gonna that's not going to make a big difference to him. Maybe. I mean, these guys are competitive enough that if yeah. you're – maybe the first couple of years it's kind of seen as silly. But, if, I mean, if you do it long enough, you make a weekend out of it. Because he gets hurt in that game, he's done. Yeah. Career. I, I just think it's important to point out, like you said, that guy who played the flag game on the beach that tours ACL or whatever. Like, you can get hurt doing literally anything. You can get hurt doing the skills competition. You can get hurt in that whatever they called football last Sunday in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. You know, you have all these non-contact injuries. You're you're never exempt from getting an injury. Um, I just feel like a flag game going kind of half speed is like more entertaining and more novel than people are normally used to watching a football game in full speed. And it's almost like, what the hell is this? You know, but found it. What'd you find? Uh, his, his name was Robert Edwards. He was free played for the Patriots. He was a rookie. They had a rookie flag football game. At, at Pro Bowl week in Hawaii, and he blew it, and he blew out his knee in the in the flag football game. Well, I never heard of him, so that's probably why. Because <laughs> he only played one year. That was it.
Um, all right. As we kind of – well, we still have some more to talk about. Uh, NFL obesity post-career. Chris Nowinski made a mention of this. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts, Waz, as a, as a doctor? You know, a it's, doctor. It's so, it, <laughs> it's so uh, interesting to see that one um, come up because – you know, what we see in the media is guys like uh, Alan Fanica and Jeff Saturday who just completely trim down. You know, they they lose the weight because they're no longer training. And, and people see that and they're like, oh, wow, maybe that's what happens to these guys because they're, they're no longer lifting the weights. They, they drop the size. It's all that muscle mass that they lose. And they don't remember all the bigger guys that are there as well. I mean, these guys were, were two linemen, but they're, they're kind of the minority out of, out of all of all, all of the players. But obesity is such a huge problem because, you know, you're no longer getting your nutrition taken care of for you, right? In, in these team settings, what, what we don't see is how well-controlled their nutrition is for these guys during the season during preseason, you know, you've got a chef in there preparing all of their meals, quality uh, food, not quality, like crap. Absolutely. And a lot of the, the pushes for the organic foods, you've got nutritionists on staff, you've got guys making them shakes and everything that they can pot- possibly ask for. Now they leave, you know, a lot of these guys, unfortunately, are not going to maintain a chef or a personal nutritionist and things like that. And then they resort to things that they knew in the past. And we go back to what, what we what we always battle. You if know? I could pick one thing, like one luxury to have for the rest of my life, oh man, a it'd be a chef. chef. Holy crap! On uh, no doubt, I would live in a shed if someone cooked for me like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it'd gourmet. Be, oh my good god, stuff. right? Yeah, I mean, even my year <laughs> that I was <laughs> when I was uh, uh, when I was covering and stuff like that. I mean, when we covered in the in the facilities, we were able to take part in some of these meals and they were great. They were great. I mean, it was just everything that was available was amazing. Yeah. You know, so, and obesity is such a big issue and we really don't know how to target it um, from, from all the different standpoints. And although these guys are, are around the nutritionists and around the nutrition in general, they don't necessarily know all the principles of them to continue to, to, to teach themselves and do these things for themselves. You know, they're not educated um, on how to actually it's make these like, meals yeah, like, and so eat on. Eat this because it's good for you, not like why you should eat it because Absolutely. it's good for you. Yeah. And nobody cares about that at that point in time, right? Right. So, it's like I just finished a two-hour practice and I'm hungry. Just like yeah. feed me. Yeah, feed me. Yeah. I would like to see like a percentage of uh, a percentage of NFL players that have because I mean obesity is a large problem in America yeah not just within um ex-football players so no, I, would, I, would, I would like to see if there was a percentage right, comparatively yeah com- comparatively because I mean the odds are the guys who retire a percentage of them are going to get fat yeah no matter and what guys because, guys because that's an American didn't make it to the NFL yeah. they would I just thought it anyway, was an interesting yeah. article no it, it definitely you know I, I, I you know it is. wasn't something that I would necessarily yeah. think about too yeah. and I, I just I think it, it's an easy. It's a. It's another easy cherry pick thing to attack the NFL on. I mean, to me, yeah. this isn't. This isn't an NFL problem. No, more of a. Not at all. Uh, this is a societal problem. This is absolutely a societal problem. It, it goes back to what you've learned prior and how you were brought up with all of these things, it, and it shows you that even though you have resources available, 
it's not necessarily going to make a difference, you know? Yeah. They have nutritionists and they have people on staff to teach you about these things. But despite that, you know, people resort back to what they used to do. Good points, gentlemen. Uh, we also had an Alex Smith sighting um, in, yeah. in between weeks here. So Alex Smith was seen wearing uh, an external fixator. So basically, um, you know, going back, Alex Smith obviously suffered that ankle uh, fracture dislocation and um, went in, had surgery. It was complicated by an infection. And what ended up happening was the hardware that he had inserted into the foot um, had to be taken out. And in order to keep the bones and everything stable, they couldn't just put a cast over the leg because it wouldn't be enough to immobilize the leg. Um, they had to put on this, uh, this device on his leg that is called an external fixator that holds everything in place. Um, and it basically pierces through different parts of the leg and it's just a big cylindrical type of thing that, that holds it there. And uh, the purpose is to, to let some of the healing happen and some of the uh, get rid of all of the infection that, that's been ha um, occurring um, uh, for a period of time. And then he's going to go through a couple more surgeries um, to try to, to get everything healed up. Um, what it means for Alex Smith is that it's going to be a very protracted recovery and when this finally does heal, he's going to be faced with that, that uh, decision of whether or not he retires. Um, if you get injured and say you break the same bone and uh, the area that, that uh, was injured, you are going to have a tougher time healing that too. Um, he's going to be losing a little bit of, of bone from what... Uh, from all the procedures that he's been undergoing, and he's probably going to have some skin grafting that goes over there. So it will be a little bit tougher. And it's for a 35-year-old quarterback, the question is, is this all going to be worth it if he gets injured again? Also, the fact that he's he had a guaranteed contract for quite a bit of money. So um, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens with Alex, what his decision will be. All right. Uh, now we're going to move on to Ed Hockley's thoughts on player safety. We kind of introed this earlier on in the episode um, because I can't read out loud. Josh is going to take this one over and give some quotes out um, for or from Ed Hockley. And th this interview was recorded on the Always Aggravated podcast, which is hosted by Detroit radio personality uh, Mike Valenti. Um, we'll link this up in the show notes for this episode if you want to listen to the full episode. But Really, the highlights are pulled from Ed Hockley's uh, parts of this episode. So, um, like Kevin said, Ed Hockley was a referee in the NFL. He was known for having very large muscles and wearing his tight refereeing shirt and showing off his guns when he was making calls. Um, but he was asked, basically, um, if he thought the NFL had gone too far uh, in terms of not really player safety, but in terms of rules, like roughing the quarterback and kind of um, protecting the players in that sense. So um, his response to this was, he said, I'm sorry, but I completely uh, disagree. 
we have absolutely not gone too far. Uh, the players have gotten bigger. I go back, I started in 1990. They've gotten bigger and faster and stronger. I worked over 600 games in the NFL, and there wasn't a single game right up to my very last one that there weren't half a dozen times in the game where I said to myself, oh, my God, how's that guy going to get up off the ground? He's got to be dead. And they hop up, and they go back to the huddle. It's a collision sport, and we've got to protect them. Um, the same thing is happening with roughing the passer. At the beginning of the year, there was a huge outcry on a few particular roughing the passer plays for the body rate rule change. Now we watch the video, and time after time, the guy gets gets the sack, and he's going down, and he rolls to the side instead of coming down with his full body weight on top of the quarterback. It changes, and it makes it makes it safer. So I really have to beg to differ. I don't think we've gone too far. I think that it's wonderful that rule change the changes for player safety. Otherwise, the game couldn't survive. So I mean. It's kind very of, well put. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of like we've, we, we've said. I mean, people were uh, – um, of course, there's going to be uh, a back, backlash whenever a rule gets changed, especially right at the beginning, um, especially how it's enforced and how it calls and how it changes games. Um, in a sport like the NFL, people are going to notice and people are going to um, be upset when it impacts their team negatively. Um, but like you've said, um, Kev – you're starting to see a difference. You're seeing a difference in how people are bringing down quarterbacks. You're seeing a difference in crack back blocks, crack back blocks and defensive, the uh, defenseless receivers and that kind of thing. And, uh, I mean, the helmet rule didn't really stick, I guess that would be the biggest negative from this season. Um, but other than that, I think the game is changing. And if the NFL really wants to change it as much as, as far as they could, I think the helmet rule needs to be looked at again and maybe, maybe tweaked. So it's, better written and it can be enforced more than it was this year but other than that like you said i think i think a change the change has been beneficial and uh, has definitely was a positive this year as a whole yeah yeah i I definitely agree um i think hockey we kind of summed it up pretty pretty nicely in this um you know his son is in the league now too and um, he's going to be following in the footsteps of his dad. And I, I think if he's, if he's making the same types of calls as his dad was, I, I think we're in good hands with this, but you know, overall it, it lends to player safety and that's, that's where, where we're headed with this. Yeah. I think his quotes kind of confirmed number one, the need for rule change, um, just in him witnessing, you know, these kinds of like destructive hits. And then also two that what's being done is having an effect. And I, I agree with both. And it's interesting now I think about the helmet rule in terms of like how much I feel like behavior has been changed despite the lack of penalty associated with with, with, with it. And it, it makes me wonder, like, do you really need to – is the punishment the reason why? Like – because because the punishment isn't really being enforced, is that the reason why guys are changing their behavior? Well, I I think, like you said, the 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 instances where we're, we've seen seen the most change, I think, like we've talked about, are defenseless receiver and roughing the passer, and those have were being called a lot, and people and guys were forced to change in order to not get a penalty. Um, I think the lowering the helmet can still happens enough that it can be called to the point where it can get better i think a lot of it on the offensive side of the ball correct yeah offensive side too as long as and i mean and i I, personally i think a lot of the uh the helmet 
rule and the tackles that you see are the smaller players are in defense. Uh, your secondary guys and your guys who are just a little bit smaller, um, and they don't. I, mean, I think I, oh, I don't know. they got to stick their face in there. Yeah, a I bit. feel like they have to. Um, that's the way that they're kind of protecting themselves is by lowering their head. When in the opposite, it's in, in reality, it's probably doing the opposite. Yeah. One of our buddies, uh, John Williams, that we went to high school with, he commented on my video about the shoulder pad episode, and he was saying how in hockey they're calling, I guess they're talking about the shoulder pads in hockey being too big because guys are using them as weapons. And in my head it made sense because the the helmets in hockey are nothing like what football helmets are. So, you know, a hockey guy isn't going to stick their face in a, into a hit to, to initiate contact, whereas mm-hmm. their shoulder pad, they're probably a lot more confident in leading with their shoulder. So, yeah, of course they want a bigger shoulder pad with bigger service area to make a bigger hit. Yeah, um, yeah. And, if they're, and if that hit ends up, I mean – rightfully so or not or intended to or not if the shoulder ends up hitting the head that's when the big big problems end up coming at least in hockey right right um all right and we got some uh some stats to go over before we uh, wrap up the podcast um and it looks like nfl viewership in 2018 is actually up um, it said overall NFL games this season were up 5% compared to 2017 and averaged 15.8 million viewers across networks. Um, and some other stats that to me are kind of correlated um, is that overall teams scored a record 1,371 touchdowns this season, which saw the league's 32 teams finish with 11,952 combined points, uh, which is the second most behind only the 2013 season. And the 2018 season also featured 73 games that were decided by three points or fewer, which is also a league record. So there were close, high-scoring games, which is going to lead to more exciting exciting games, and people want to watch them. Um, and to me, I think it's also proof that you know the way that the game is starting to evolve isn't a bad thing. I think when you're starting to throw the, the ball around a little bit more, and airing it out, you have some bigger plays. That's exciting. That's what people want to see. People want to see scoring. I, I, if you told me that the game was going to end in like a a nine to three finish in like a defensive battle, I'm like, yeah, I'm not watching that. But if it's like a shootout, I want to watch that. That's like fun to watch. Yeah, and I think I think you're the vast majority of people. I mean, obviously, there's people that are going to complain about it no matter what. There's going to be people complain about it as too high scoring, and there's going to be complain people complain if it's not high scoring enough. There's going to be the segment that's going to complain no matter what. Um, but like you said, I don't think it's changing. I don't think it's going to. This is what the NFL wants, and I don't think they're going to change anything. Um, and from a viewership standpoint, I think it just goes to show that like everyone was so worried about the NFL. It's it's there's. It's it's nothing. It's not. It's not going anywhere. It's still the most powerful uh, sport in the world, um, and I do think every. And people said this last year, and they don't want to kind of hear it. But I mean, every four years, when there's a presidential election, viewership goes down. Um, even if it's slightly, it does. There's other things on that a segment of a large segment of the population of this country. If there's one thing they'll watch over football, 
it's politics. <laughs> so there's a small segment of po- population that every year when there's a presidential election, uh, the ratings are slightly down in a presidential year. Um, but if you think about it this year, I mean, there was no real, we didn't have any controversy with the statute or with the national anthem. We didn't have any flag issues. There was no, um, nothing that kind of segregated, uh, the audience of the NFL. What did we have? We had points and scoring and, and some and fun and, and some, and some big, some big storylines and, and, and everything that was happening on the field. So, um, like you said, football and the ratings aren't, are just going to keep going up and up and up and up and up. Um, like Pat Mahomes and ketchup. You can't get enough. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. That high fructose corn syrup. Speaking <laughs> of nutrition and obesity. Uh, some more stats as we finish is that concussions decreased by 29% in the 2018 season. Uh, the league said that there were 135 documented concussions in the 2018 regular season, down from 190, including the preseason and uh, Concussions fell from 281 to 214, uh, a 23.8% decrease. The total was the lowest since 2014 season when 206 concussions were reported. Uh, so, to, it, I mean, it's it. I just feel like this is really hard. It's really hard to know. I mean, yeah, from because uh, how many were undiagnosed? Well, yeah, how many were undiagnosed, and what's like, what's the definition of the uh, of of concussion for them correct what what um what are they using to capture that right so where in the point so say if the concussion happened immediately you know immediate diagnosis of it now what happens if it was diagnosed like three days later are they grouping that into the same we don't have anything right. that it's easy to play with numbers kind of a little yeah. bit yeah and it's i think it's very easy for the nfl to paint the picture that they want to paint Absolutely. with in terms of statistics like this i would like to know how many guys left the field at any point because of a head injury yes and what's and what's that percentage comparatively uh, because if you get up in woozy right and you got hit and you left the field and you didn't come back in the game but you never got a but you were never diagnosed with a concussion okay Great, I guess. Like, what's like? Did you really not have a concussion? Exactly, mm-hmm. and and this is kind of what. This is the only issue that I've had with 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 the concussions and how the NFL deals with it. Um, and we've seen it so many times, and it's impossible to say because we don't. I don't know. We don't know. You don't know looking at it on TV, and you trust the teams and the doctors well enough to know that they're doing the right thing. But I mean, how many times can you remember a guy getting hit, a guy leaving a game, um, but? him never but he never enters the protocol because he never has a diagnosed concussion um so he's able to practice right away he's able to come back in the game right away all these all all these things um and i feel like that happens a lot um and i'm and and i'm not saying that those guys have concussions that should should be in protocol i don't know um but i mean the nfl can put out every statistic that they want to say um, concussions are going the right direction, but it's, it's, imp- it's, it's impossible. For and remember me it's a spectrum, right? It's a diagnosis on the spectrum of uh, a concussion with multi um, traumatic brain injury, right? So um, there's a constellation of symptoms and it depends on what symptoms and what you're using, right? There's criteria for it and whatnot, but we don't know exactly what they're saying and it's easy to manipulate the numbers. So I, I, I tend to agree. I'd like to see a little bit more about that rather than just take a flat. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, concussions dropped by twenty five percent this yeah. year. You know, yeah. is, is that is that just every guy? If you were on the injury report at any time for yeah. for concussion, that's that's probably how I view it. Um, that it, in order to be diagnosed, if you were on the injury report uh, with, with a concussion tag, I mean, but I just it's nice, but I don't know if it's I don't believe it's completely one hundred percent accurate by any means. I'm not just taking it for for. Or for what they say it is, at least with that stuff. We gonna call bullshit in that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, one more stat is the league also announced that while ACL tears went up uh, from 54 in 2017 to 57 in this season, which is like really no, no difference, uh, MCL tears combined dropped from 143 last season to 131. Also not that much different, but... I had mentioned multiple times throughout the season that it seems that a lot of these lower extremity injuries aren't being addressed. Yeah. Um, you don't know so how a to high do number. It. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to, it's, it's difficult to, to, to come up with a protocol that is really going to limit this, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, this is a, a, a highly volatile game. Yeah. So, you know, you, a lot of this has to be chalked up to volatility as well. And, and the nature of the game, um, you know, it, it, it's interesting stat. It pretty much showed that nothing really changed too much. You know, we're right about the same where we are. Yeah. With, with, these, with these injuries, it's hard, I think, to draw any correlation from one year to the next. I think you really need four, five, six years to see if it's spiking or staying going, consistently getting down or consistently going up. Like if it's, if it's going up by five or ten every single year, um, then there's a then there's a correlation you can make and something's probably wrong. And in the same token, if it's going down by five ten um, every single year by a certain percentage, I think you can you, you can draw something to it. But from one year to the next, I mean, I yeah, would it fluctuates. I, yeah, I would assume that if you go back five six years, it's going to be within my ACLs are going to be between between forty five and sixty five, and combined, it's going to be between one. What is it right? It was one forty three last year. It's going to be between one twenty five and one sixty five. It's going to be. It, they're going to be grouped similarly because a lot of them are just so out of the control of yeah, anybody. It's just there's so many confounding sport. variables uh, to to take into consideration. Is it field? You know, is it turf versus versus uh, uh, um, regular grass field? Right? You know, um, you, cleats, uh, athlete conditioning, fatigue, all of those things play a, a factor in this, right? So, it age. You know, yeah. I, I mean, there's so many variables that it's it's really tough to de- to just design something that's going to address that. Agreed. So to wrap up this episode, let's get our, our Super Bowl picks. Who you got, Patriots or the Rams? I'm going Rams because I hate the Patriots. You know, I'm going to say Rams by three or less. Okay. Josh, I'm gonna go with the Patriots. I Damn, hate, I, I I hate the Patriots too. But I've gotten to the point where I'm just I'm just not gonna pick against them. You know, Probably a, ever again. As a Giants fan, I always go against them. Um, yeah. Eli, who do I want to win versus who, who I know. think is gonna win? You want? To, I would like I would like the Rams to win. I I, I hope oh, I hope the Rams win, but. I, I think the Patriots just find they're just they're they're just they find a way they find a way they're Indeed. just they're they're so much better coached and not that they're better coached than the Rams but they seem to be better coached than everybody they just have a plan and they're they're uniquely able to execute whatever plan that 
is best for them to win a game. No matter no matter how it is they have to play, offensively, defensively, um, they know what the best way to beat a certain team is, and they're just uniquely able to execute it better than any any other team. So I'm going to say that Aaron story. Donald shows everybody why he went out and put himself out there to get his contract, and he's going to show you why he deserves every every bit of that money. He's going to be Super Bowl MVP. I'm going to say he sacks Brady two to three times. All right. I'm going to go with the Patriots. If Josh wants me to give a score, I'll go with 37 to uh, 28, just because I like 37. Three-step. Three yeah, three-step. Um, do you guys think that Sean McVay is my doppelganger a little bit? Mm. No. 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 You just have the skin. You got similar hair and skin tone, but yeah. other than that. I, but his, his wife is hot. Oh, his wife's hot. You should you should see his wife. Check it out on the Google machine. Yeah, Only. on the Twittergram. Yeah. Um, all right. Any uh, final remarks, gentlemen? That's it. It's a great season. Ready, break. break.